0: Well, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. It is good to be here with you and to open God's Word. And uh, for the next three services, I want us to try something a little bit different. We've never done, we've never looked at the Gospels um, at a kind of a 30,000-foot view. We've entered, generally what we do during Passion Week is we enter uh, into a, a specific story and, we, and we, we kind of parse out a specific part of Scripture but I want us to think for, uh, in terms of eight days, and I want you to think, okay, this is Palm Sunday, because if you look at the Gospels and you see how much each individual Gospel is given to the last week of Jesus, it's, it's, it's huge. It, it matters a ton, and I think in, in a number of ways, Jesus was saying what he said, but he was also, if you, if, if you kind of move up and you see the whole of these eight days, there's a whole nother message that God is coming to save the world. And he, and he has these macro themes. And so I want us to think, um, as Jesus is coming into, he's done all his ministry. Remember, he's roughly 33 years old. And remember, Jesus is a Jew, right? He is, he's functioning as a rabbi. And when you think about Jesus on Palm Sunday, I want us to start at the very beginning, because I want us to remember what happened in Genesis 3. This is, this is what, how, how Adam and Eve were pushed out. Pushed out of the garden. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side, now think about that, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And I don't think many people thought of this, but if you're thinking about the Garden of Eden and the holy place of God, and he was banished out of the east, and here comes Jesus. He's saying, what, I'm, what am I gonna do? I am going to what? I'm going to... Um, recreate what was lost. How am I going to do that? I'm going to come in. I'm going to come into the holy city from the very direction that that we were banished out. Because who is Jesus also known as? He's the second Adam. He's coming back into the garden after never, ever sinning, saying, hey, I'm going to come in and I'm going to make it perfect. And I'm going to renew and restore the earth. And so when you think about, look at this he comes, think of the green, the green line, that's where Jesus came in from the Jericho Road. You see how it gets uh, kind of deserty and mountainous and he comes and you see Bethany and that's where Mary and Martha lived and that's where he was right before he comes in. He's, and, and Bethany is, and I'm, I'm not kidding, it's if you walk from here uh, roughly to Ellie's Restaurant. <laughs> I mapped it out on Google Maps, right? Ellie's, a little past Wendy's, okay? This is not far at all from here. And here's where he is staying. Let's go to the next, next slide. There's Bethany right there. So he comes in on this road. There's Bethany. There's Bethpage. And there you see that little triangle. That's the Mount of Olives, which is roughly from here to the 7-Eleven. And there is Jerusalem. Actually, it's closer than the 7-Eleven. Um, and so what is Jesus doing? He's coming back in and he wants to what? He wants to, hey, I'm going to renew what was lost and what do we know happened right before uh, he comes in on Palm Sunday? The, the days, or maybe week before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he did that three times, right? He raised someone from the dead. He did it three. His third, his third miracle of of resurrection was uh, just a few days before. And then uh, Mark fourteen says this: This is the day before he comes in. The chief priests, uh, priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper and a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And when you really think about this and you think about the whole of scripture, what is happening right here? It's the very same thing that Samuel did to King Saul and to King David. What this lady, this girl, Mary, is anointing Jesus. And if you think Jewishly, He's, she, he is being anointed as king by this, by this woman with all of this, you know, very, very expensive, about a year's worth of salary. He, and then we start with Palm Sunday. Here comes Jesus, an entrance that would what? That would shake the world politically, economically, religiously. It would completely shake the world. The world would never be the same after Jesus does what he does in Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, right down the road, about a mile from from Bethany. There's Bethpage, you saw the the map. We love maps here. It's good stuff, guys. Um, Go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And this is what Morgan read. This is 515 BC, over 500 years before. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you. Gentle and riding on a donkey. On a colt and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Say to daughters of Zion, let's go to the next slide. 520 BC, Zechariah says this. It's fulfilled. Jesus made the decision when he told those two disciples, "You go to Bethpage and you get that donkey." He is saying, "I am what? I am declaring war. I am declaring what? That I will be the king. That I am going to fulfill the prophecy. It's time, right?" I, I am claiming my rightful place. And I think for many of us, we see that and we say, oh, that's kind of cute. Uh, you know, he kind of came in uh, humble-like on a donkey. Yes, he was gentle, but he came in in a gentle way, claiming what? Claiming the world. Claiming that he was king of the world. This was an orchestration by the king of kings. This wasn't, oh, I hope things work out. This is him saying, okay, it has begun. I am now going to take the world and I'm gonna do it in a way that you would never ever expect, but it has begun. You cannot make Jesus what? Just your friend. You cannot make Jesus what? Your consultant. You can't do that. We cannot do that. He is not an add-on. We talk about this all the time, particularly in this day and age where we have to declare what? We have to declare what we are dependent on in a world that is saying, I am claiming my independence, right? I am claiming my independence. In other words, the world has said that the self is the judge of what is right and wrong. The the, the world, the self is saying, I am the arbiter of what we can and can't do. And it is off. And Jesus is saying, no, you have another choice here and it's me. There's another story that I am telling and you have to decide whether or not you want to believe it. Verse six, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know who did this? Who threw palm fronds in front of Jesus? You know who did that? The zealots. They're the ones that, you know, Judas Maccabeus, Judas the hammer. Here's how we bring in the kingdom of God. You do it with a hammer. You do it with force and violence. Many that were throwing their throwing their cloaks and throwing the palm fronds thought. Jesus is the one that's going to come. And he is going to be listened to, and he's going to do it this way. He is going to come in strength, and it's going to be the way you want it to be. And we know, we know it's not even close to that. Uh, I, I, I want to be seen in a, in a way that is, you know, a provider rescuer, right? And I had my, I was like, all right, my, my wife called me, we had some car trouble, and I'm going to go help her, Dun, dah, 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 right? I'm going, to go, I'm going to go charge or. a. Uh, jumped the battery. She's stuck at Publix. I'm going to, I'm going to rescue her. And in, you know, my excitement, I kind of was trying to get there fast. I'm right there at Sickles, that light at Sickles that takes forever, by the way. Um, I was in my truck and this car was right, right, uh, really close to me behind me. And I was trying to get out of that lane because I was going to go to line ball instead of staying in that, which I don't know if that's perfectly legal or that I'm saying it right now. I feel a little, you know, I feel a little self-conscious. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I just put it in reverse, and I backed right into him, right into this guy. Bang! You know, I just heard this big pow, and his whole grill was, like, sticking out. And I'm like, what? Wait, come on. I'm an idiot. I'm supposed to be strong, right? I'm supposed to—and, you know, this guy was very gracious, and I don't know what my, what's going to happen to my insurance now, but we want to be competent, right? I want to be seen in a certain way. We want our Savior to look a certain way, and what— He's coming in on a donkey and he is saying that I'm going to do it my way and I am the king. And so verse 10 and 11, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus. The what? The prophet. That's a healthy, nice, medium category to put Jesus in. He is just simply the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You know what Jesus says to you and to me? You got two options. You either can crown me or you kill me. Because that's what I'm coming to do. I'm coming to take my throne. And you will either crown me as king of kings or you better kill me. And for many of us, we want to have that third way. That is not Jesus as a prophet. That is not Jesus as a good teacher, even though he, of course, was a great teacher. He was so compelling. He was so, I mean, let the little children come unto me. But when you really see and you look at 30,000 feet on this Palm Sunday, what is Palm Sunday about? It's him claiming his kingship, kingship, saying, you better crown me or you better kill me. Who do you say I am? And we know That the world, or if you're here and you don't know the Lord, and I'm so very grateful that you're here, if you are not a believer, if you are not a a Christian, a professing believer, that you're curious and you're saying, okay, what does it mean to follow him? Well, there is a stark quality to Christianity. There is not an in-between. Many of us want to do that because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. But Jesus did not come to make people feel comfortable. Jesus did not come into this world to make you feel safe or to make you feel comfortable. And maybe that's what the evangelical church has sold. Oh, I want to be a Christian because it's a safe, it's a secure way to do life. No. We are called to say weird things to our neighbors, right? We're called to say that a Jewish carpenter that was born in a hick town in Bethlehem is the savior of the world. And he came in on a donkey, not a chariot with a sword or a whatever. Big army. He came to say that he what? He is ruling. That is what he came to do. And when you really think about Sunday, you have to decide. Okay, Sunday is about, Palm Sunday is about crowning him or ultimately killing him. And through the week, what do we see? That people begin the sniff test. And the Sanhedrin said, okay, who is this guy? No, no, no. He doesn't doesn't interpret the Torah right. You know, he says his yoke, which is the Jewish term for your interpretation of the law, he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. No, the Sanhedrin say, no, it's not. If you follow Jesus, it is heavy. It is a weight on you and you feel guilt and shame all the time. This guy is saying, no, no. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You have to crown him or you have to kill him. Where are you this morning? How do you talk about King Jesus to your neighbor, to your dad, who's a non-believer, to, to maybe even your spouse or your son or your daughter? How do we talk about Jesus as a nice guy, right? Or the one who says, no, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take my throne, and it may look different than you think, but I'm actually going to come and undo right, the curse of the fall, which ultimately was death. I'm going to take death that was brought to Adam and Eve, and I'm going to reverse it. And you, you, you won't even believe what's going to happen in, in seven days here. You won't, you're not even going to believe it. But I'm going to take it, and I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to beat it. And that's going to be your only hope. And all you have to do is have faith that I'm the king of the world. That's what Palm Sunday is about. So what's Monday about then? If that was Palm Sunday and he comes in and it says that he he went to the temple after his great ride into the city and he kind of looked around the temple. And then, you know, the the thing he did right after that was, and we're not going to get into it, but that he wept because he saw it, right? His heart hurt because he knew there's a bunch of posers there. They were throwing their palm fronds and their, and their cloaks, but now he could see their hearts. And he began to weep. He wept over the city. What has happened to the city of David, right? What has happened to, to the temple area, the, the courtyard where King Solomon built this beautiful temple? What's happened to our people? Monday, early, the next morning. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back, to the city, because Jesus would go to Jerusalem and then he would walk back to Bethany. And that's where he stayed overnight. And then he came back, right? So he came back the next morning to a Monday morning. And this sounds random. He sees a fig tree by the road. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you knew that uh, Israel was called a fig tree. <laughs> they were called, hey, you, you are like a fig tree. And what does he do? He sees the fig tree by the road and he went up to it and he found nothing except leaves. Now, just think about that picture for a second. You go to a fig tree for figs, but leaves are there when you think fruit is coming. How many of us have leaves? No, we look like a fig tree. That's what Jesus is saying. There, see that fig tree right there with leaves? There's a bunch of people around here that look, you have leaves but you don't have any fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. And these are hard words on Monday. Hey, I see the fig tree. Israel, you are a fig tree. And I see a bunch of green leaves that come out and that should say, hey, the orange is coming, right? <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna blossom. It's, it's, it's coming. But it never did. And Jesus comes with all this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then he says, after only finding leaves, then he said, may you never bear fruit again. And then immediately, what? The, 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 the tree or the plant withers, because it wasn't real. It wasn't. It's like the parable of the soils where Jesus says, look, you can look like you're a true, uh, you know, plant that's got health, but there's a lot of us out there, a lot of us that have shown leaves, and he says, look, I, I am not about outward appearance. I am not at all about outward appearance. And then we know later on he, yeah, Jesus entered into the temple courts after seeing the fig tree and saying, it's not about personal appearance to me. And then he comes into the temple where what? What's supposed to be in the temple? It's the Ark of the Covenant, right? Raiders of the Lost, right? Boom. Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because it's the Shekinah glory at the top that radiates over cherubim and seraphim that are right there. And in are the Ten Commandments and the rod of Aaron and manna. That's supposed to be the presence of God. That's why everybody came to the temple. And Jesus went there because it's the presence, right? That, that, is, that is the Spirit of God, the presence of God. So he enters in there believing that it will be a holy place, right? You had the, the courtyard and then you have the holy place. and you have the holy of holies. And what do you find? You know what church turned into? A bunch of people who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of what? Of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. When you make church, when we make church about just friendships. Of course, friendships are going to come or, you know, business connections. I'm going to make it a place of commerce. I'm going to go and I'm going to meet some new people. Maybe I can drum up some business. I'm starting something or, you know, that seems like a nice church with people that would maybe potentially, you know, are involved in my area of work. And over time, what had happened, they intermarried with non-Christians. And next thing you know, the temple becomes this place of just, it's the marketplace it's, the Wall, it's Wall Street. It's the NASDAQ, right? It's just, and you not know, Solomon's porch is supposed to be the porch of prayer. And then what does he show them? That when people come without sight, people that come with physical pain, but also spiritual pain, when you come to me, let me tell you something. Christian, disciples, Jew, the church, should always be a hospital. It better be a hospital. It better be a place where those that are hurting can come and receive refuge and solace. It has to be. And so Jesus is saying, I'm king, but I'm gonna king, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the king, I'm gonna be the, the, the head of this hospital, of this people that are on all, you know, they have this, you know, this cancer of pride, right? This, the the spiritual, Illnesses that take over us, that's what he is about. And he does not value your outward appearance. He does not value your personal gain because your life is not about you. My life is not about me, it's about him. You are not the center of your life. God is. Jesus is, just like the temple was supposed to be the center of Zion. And what Jesus knew and he could see, it wasn't anymore. This whole story of the Passion Week is reorienting our life around him. And maybe your story has been about you or your paycheck or your marriage or your kids or your family or your influence, it's not. That's not why God knit you in the, in the womb of your mom. He did that so that you would praise him. So that when we sing the first four songs, right? First two, a little bit more upbeat. Second two, not as quite as upbeat. That we can sing praise, right? Sing songs of praise and worship. Songs of praise and contemplation about he, how he is the center. And Jesus is saying, I know, you you may want your appearance, Jude, or your personal gain to be. But let me tell you, on Monday of Passion Week, it's not. You're a a withered fig tree. I'm going to come into the temple and I got to cleanse it, right? It's, It's about calling us out. And so Sunday is about claiming his kingship and Monday is about Jesus telling you in his kingdom, here's what he values. Do you have the same value system? Do you see him as what? As the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know what? I take on the values of my king. And so you know what? Was Jesus rich? No. Was Jesus married? No. Did he live life abundantly? Yes. Why? Because he was with his father at all times. And many of us think, well, you know, I need to be married or I need to have kids or I need to have money. That validates me. Jesus had none of those. And he lived life an abundant life. And this story is about him. It's not about you. Will you make him your story? Will you tell this to your kids? Would we have enough courage to say, you know what, guys? We need to sit here Palm Sunday lunch and we need to talk about how Jesus is the king and you know pal it's not your grades baby doll it's not you know you you being okay it's really about have we made him number one man nothing would make Jesus smile nothing would make God you know raise his hands and and yell for joy than if his people do that if his people come together and make it about him nation will rise against nation. Moving on to the very next day, he goes back to Bethany and he comes back again to Jerusalem. Nation will rise against nation. Here's what's going to happen, Jesus says. Let me tell you about the future. Here's what's going to happen. Churches will come against one another. Nations and kingdoms will come against one another. There will be massive fracturing. And so what needs to happen? A gospel must first be preached to all nations. You have to come together. One of the joys of my past month was yesterday where we had the staff go over to Greater Life Church and um, uh, Pastor G with some of his congregation, we all just prayed together yesterday for an hour, about an hour and 20 minutes. We all prayed, just prayed together. We sang some worship songs and we read some scripture Heard a few little testimonies, but we prayed together. Two churches that could easily be coming at one another, blaming one another, saying, you're wrong. No, that, no you're wrong. And you know what? We love the same Jesus, right? Amen? We do. And it's, he is the unifier here. And it was gorgeous. And you know what we did? We locked arms. And we said, he is the point. Not my pain, not my opinion, not my distinctive, not my perspective. He is the point. Palm Sunday, Jesus came on Sunday to claim his kingship. On Monday to say, look, my rule and reign doesn't value outward appearance and personal gain, and it's tough here. But let me tell you what's coming. So you better, you better be ready. Because if you look at what he says on Tuesday, it's a bunch of little sermons. You know what a lot of it's about? Hey, What's coming? Um, because you know what? You need to be on guard. Mark twelve thirteen says, Every, everyone will hate you because of me. I mean, think about our world right now. When you claim Christ and you say that the Bible is our starting point for knowledge, I mean, we know now more than I have ever felt in my lifetime, the world hates that. When I said, you know, two weeks ago that, hey, when Jesus says in Mark 10, God made you male and female in the womb of your mom, that God assigns gender, the world hates that stuff. That's hate speech to them. And all we're saying is, no, no, no. We understand where you're coming from. We get it. You are the point. You are the starting point for truth for you. That's not my starting point. Sure, it'd be a lot easier if I believed something else, particularly now, but you know what? This is the starting point for us, and it's what Jesus says is truth. Everyone will hate you because of me, he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. But about that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father, right, knows what? When Jesus is coming back, when he is gonna fully make all things new and all things perfect. But here's what he asks us to do. Westtown, I need you to be on guard and I need you to be alert. You need to live with some urgency. You do not know when that time will come because when he describes it, he says, no one will know and it's gonna be like this, a thief in the night. So anybody who says that they know when Jesus is coming back, they're quacking, right? They have no idea. No one does. And he's gonna come when he's gonna come on his timetable. And you know what? He says, it's going to, I don't know exactly what that means. Jesus talks cryptically a, a, a lot of times in, in, in the gospels. But that's what he says. We, that's the way in which we are to, to live life vigilantly. And I want us to be ready So when the world begins to hate you, and the church is fracturing because we're staring at other people and not staring at Jesus, here's what he says to us, Westtown. You got to stay on the word. You got to stay rooted in the word. And if you get off, man, that stuff becomes jello because, hey, in 10 years from now, something else will change. There'll be some new trend. There'll be some new thing that we've probably never heard of. But we know that the Bible never changes. And if you know that, and you're rooted in the truth, and you know that you are created Imago day, here's what Jesus says also on Tuesday. He says, everyone in this room has been given a talent. And I need you to think this way on Tuesday. You need to be urgent and vigilant. You need to be watchful and not fracturing. But I need you to know this. For it will be like this. This is Matthew 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. The talent you have is not your talent, it's his talent. And you are not allowed, you are not prescribed to take your talent and just not lose it. You have to go and sow it. That's what he's saying. And he, who also had the two talents, came forward saying, master, you delivered, uh, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You've been faithful over a little. "'I will set you over much. Enjoy, enjoy. "'Enter into the joy of your master.' "'He also, who had received the one talent, "'came forward saying, "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man "'reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you scattered no seed. "'So I was afraid. "'And I went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Here's your talent. Here's "'Here you have what is yours. "'But his master answered, answered him, To be a Christian is to what? To invest is to what? Is to risk. There is no safe way. Jesus entered into his very death. You have no idea what your courage, how God will use it. Hey, if you're a two-talent person, he'll take it and flip it to four. If you're a one, he'll take it and flip it to two. If you're a five-talent person, you have to invest it and you have to risk it. He says, I want you to live life this way. But look, in suburban America, it's easy not to play it safe, man. Do do what the neighborhood does. Just fit in. Fit in, right? Paul says, to to the Jew, become like the Jew. To the Gentile, become like a Gentile. Why? Why? You're being stealth so that you win people to Christ. If you're doing that, that's great. But if you're doing that to play it safe, he wants nothing to do with it. If you're taking that one talent and digging it, and you're saying, okay, I I didn't lose it, ultimately he says, be Get away from me. I'm gonna get, take your talent to the people that are working hard, that are putting their life on the line for me. And why do they do that? Why, why are we called to do that? Because he put his life on the line for us. And you know, we know we win. That even if we lose our life, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and what? To die is gain. Look what he did on Sunday. Look what he did on Monday. Look what he said on Tuesday. We're going to walk this eight days, right? So we're going to pick up on Thursday. And I want you to come. That's my challenge, that you would come on Thursday. Because I want you to enter into Passion Week this year. And we're going to pick up on Wednesday. And we're going to do Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on Monday, Thursday. And then we'll do Saturday on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. And I want you to walk this this eight days with us. That you enter into the message and the mission of Jesus. Why? So that you will change. So that we right? We will count the present sufferings that we experience now as insignificant compared to the glory that we know is coming and we do get to experience at some level now. Where are you? Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. He came in, this humble king on a donkey, not to give us an easy message, to come in and challenge us and say, come on, I know, I know what Rome looks like. Let me ask you in 2021, where is Rome? Right? Where is Rome right now? Where's Babylon? Where, where are the Greeks? Right? Where's Alexander the Great? Where are the Persians? Where's King Xerxes? Where's Artaxerxes? They're dead. They have no hope. And we are here still talking about a Jewish carpenter 2021 years later because he reigns and it's real and it's true. Where are you? What would he have for you on this Palm Sunday? Make it a great start for Passion Week. Let me pray and ask God to be with you.